The Frogut is also cursed. We return you now to your regularly scheduled program. Greetings and welcome back to War Council. War ho- Council. Yeah, it's a hobby-centered podcast for enthusiasts of Games Workshop games, for Warhammer 40k, other related wargaming, and all sorts of other RPGs as well. Any tabletop such as D&D miniatures, Reaper stuff. More my style, yeah. Uh, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, anything. If this gaming hobby-related, then you probably bet we do a little something with it. Absolutely. I am Edward Winterrose. This is... Shane, Mr. Meticulous Jenkins. And we've got a bit of a show for you for Halloween, my favorite holiday of the year. And I've got a little bit of a rant about that later on. But coming this episode, we've got, of course, another pre-recorded bit, this time about a game store. I think if you ever saw the old Friday the 13th television series, I've got kind of that in mind. So what we've got in the pipe, we're going to talk a little bit about the Fury of Dracula project. This time it's going to be the WizKids version, except we weren't entirely satisfied with that, so we're going to do our own take. We've got some Cthulhu Wars minis that we're going to be painting up and uh, over the next week, as well as the Azathoth miniature. I'm going to be doing a review on that a little later, since those kind of tie in together. We're also going to talk a little bit, but not too much, about these great big miniatures from Manfred von Karstein and Neferata from Warhammer Fantasy. We're also going to be interviewing our, the head of our terrain department, Brian Reese. We're going to be talking to him about blood effects and this big pipe organ that he's building for the cathedral board that we're building for the Sisters of Battle. I am so looking forward to seeing this finished, by the way. I've got a thing for pipe organs. But we're also going to be talking a little bit, and I do mean a little bit because details are still sketchy as far as Games Workshop goes on the Ossiarch Bone Reapers. And we'll give a little bit of a mention to the October Madness that we're dealing with, with the Orc Codexes that are just coming out. We'll get back to you after this. If you have a yen for exceedingly well-priced flights of fantasy or games workshop to within very inches of their lives, we invite you to peruse our selection of rare and only slightly cursed gaming paraphernalia at Vondredi's Tables of Darkness. Right on the counter as you enter, you'll find bins of shamed and abandoned dice, each guaranteed to have killed a player character when a critical fail would hurt the most. The more characters wasted, the more expensive they'll be. Campaign-murdering polyhedrons are under glass and available by special offer only. Don't let any of these touch your own dice. But certainly slip them into the dice bags of players whose characters are breaking your sessions. Don't forget our selection of mostly dormant but slightly carnivorous dice bags, curse-proofed and great at removing the taint of a bad night at the table with its inner secretions. 
be sure to only pour dice out of it and drop dice back in. Each comes with a pamphlet on what to feed them once a month, and they're great for keeping your player's sticky and severable fingers away from your favorite rollers. They are thankfully non-ambulatory and come in leather, ultra-suede, black and red velvet, and for traditionalists, the eponymous Crown Royal Bag. This week we're running a special on our wide selection of our wargaming miniature pigments, guaranteed not to be made of any of the actual things they're named for. Honestly, where would we get fairy vomit or ogre's blood? In this area, I ask you, our brushes come in all widths and thicknesses for the discerning artist, and are in no way made from hair from creatures best not named here for the purposes of liability. We've also tested our latest batch, and we're pleased to say that only two in ten have caused the miniatures that they were used on to come to life, and even then most of those only asked for the Wi-Fi password, and they make excellent stocking stuffers for Christmas. There were a few troublemakers, of course, but there's always one or two, aren't there? And no one was seriously hurt. Mostly. Which reminds me, be very careful with our line of brush-cleaning solvents. That said, there's nothing better for purging the paint from your very special brushes. Or fingerprints. Or skin. Or evidence. <clears throat> and this Sunday, dig out all those old collectible card games from your game morgue and come down to Tables of Darkness for appraisals, or maybe just a round or two of your favorite cancelled games from the 90s. The edges of the tables and chairs have been filed down and properly sterilized, and we promise we are not keeping any of your precious blood for cursed game sacrificial purposes. Why does everyone keep worrying about that? We're really not. That's Vondredi's Tables of Darkness, located on the wrong side of the tracks, 1313 Commerce Way, between the condemned Sprawl Mart and Wong's Lost and Found Emporium. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter to hear about new acquisitions. Vondredi's Tables of Darkness assumes no liability for consequences arising from situations both mundane or metaphysical pertaining to its merchandise. All sales are final. Waiver of damages required before any purchase. So this segment we're calling What's in the Pipe, like a bullet in the pipe ready to fire. So one thing I saw on our shelves was the Fury of Dracula minis. And the first thing I since I didn't know about this game at all, was to look it up. And it's a game more about tracking Dracula all over Europe and catching him and putting an end to him before he makes more and more vampires. And originally, this was a Games Workshop game from 1987. Since then, it's passed hands a couple of times. Fantasy Flight did a version in 2006, and then 2015, and now it's gone over to WizKids, right. and they're doing a fourth edition, and I think that's what we're repainting this that's, time. That's correct, yep. I understood that the WizKids games came pre-painted, 
Of course, as far as WizKids goes, my experience of them was playing Heroclix back yeah. in the early aughts. Oh, yeah. Yep, I remember those. Yep. Yeah, this is uh, the WizKids ones. They do come pre-painted, uh, but a client contacted us about basically uh, re-priming them and putting uh, our signature touch on them so that they were they actually stood out from the regular WizKids. Now, see, I can dig that because those old hero clicks i had this idea that half of them were old ralph partha miniatures from way back in the day old D miniatures repurposed probably so and yeah they looked like they were painted on something of an assembly line basis i don't think you could have automated that but boy you can tell that these things were kind of put out in a hurry and yeah. they really did not look great yeah just slap paint on them and send them out, yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking if WizKids is doing the same, they have to have come along a bit in 15 years, but we can do better. We can always do better. Absolutely. So we wanted to highlight this project since it is Halloween, Dracula, you know how that goes. We're, we're really excited to be able to show these off. We'll get pictures up of that. should be up now by the time you're listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. And of course, the next thing we're going to kind of get into here is the Cthulhu Wars from Peterson Games. In this case, the Great Old One Pack 1. In this, we've got... Let's see if I can actually do these Cthulhu God-type names without really messing them up. <laughs> Abhoth, or maybe Abvoth, the source of uncleanliness. We've got Chognar Falgen, the proboscidian horror from the hills. We've got Cthuga, a force of destruction, a fearsome force of destruction. Mother Hydra and Yig, father of serpents. Think I got these names right? That looks, looks good to me. So yeah, this is an expansion pack, actually their first expansion pack. Uh, it comes with the five models, five of their loyalty cards, and their little spellbook card. Also comes with 12 of the Abhoth filth tokens for the board itself. And we don't actually have these here. Half of our people, I think both Ryan and Preston, are off at Dragonfall this weekend. And I think Ryan took our great old ones with him so he could paint them on the spot right there for people. Yep. And you'll be seeing those on our site as well. And some of the other things we're going to get into, keeping with the Halloween theme, I know on our desks, and this is something that Caleb said he's been wanting to do for a while, we're going to be doing Manfred von Karstein and Neferata from Warhammer Fantasy on these big, bony, skeletal, kind of spooky, scary skeletons, giant monster mounts, as well with a couple of vampire lords from the vampire court. Though Neferata's a little bit more from the Tomb Kings who came up to be with Von Karstein. Those are going to be really something to look forward to. Yeah, those are going to be exciting to see. And that's pretty much it for what's in the pipe. Coming up next is going to be Brian. He's going to be talking to us about blood effects, some of the things he does to get some efficient spatter onto different models, and this pipe organ project he's working on. All right, welcome back. This is Edward again, and right now I've got Brian with me from White Metal Games. Hey, guys. And he's typically our artist in charge of doing lots of our terrain work. You've seen plenty of his display board work in recent photos and blog posts. And in keeping with the holiday, I wanted to talk with him a little bit about some of the projects he's working on and 
maybe some techniques on how to maybe do blood spatter a little bit more effectively. I was talking about dragging you into the studio and maybe talking to you about creepy stuff like blood, gore, maybe slimy effects, things that would look creepy. Can you maybe expound on that a little bit for my people here? <laughs> yeah, um, well, I, my favorite is uh, the GW Blood for the Blood God. Mm -hmm. And uh, use an old toothbrush or just an old bristly stubborn brush, you know. And you get a little bit of that on there, you get it real close to the miniature, and you just kind of flick it with your thumb. And you okay. get like micro splatter. I think there's also a way to do it with airbrush, but I'm just learning um, <laughs> the basics of the airbrush. So Preston's somebody that could probably ex explain how to do it with that. When I was doing art school, I did get airbrush classes. They were showing us how to use the airbrushes to start with, and in the nozzle of the airbrush, you've kind of got a needle sticking out of it, and a nozzle the needle is sticking out of. When you pull back the trigger, it retracts the needle from the nozzle and you get the spray around it, a bit like a jet engine. Mm -hmm. But if you turn down the flow of air and just sort of screw that needle back out of the nozzle and blow a weak stream of air out, mm -hmm. it doesn't give you a fine spray. It kind of splatters larger kind of droplets. throttles the, the, right. the trigger, yeah. One thing I was thinking of on my way home yesterday when you're doing your scenery and somebody's been decapitated really, really badly and there's like blood splatter everywhere, arterial spray, do you do a variation of the toothbrush thing? I, was, I wondered if you'd like taken a hairbrush and dipped it into a thing of paint and maybe done that with your hand instead to spray a larger area. For, for more, like for B-movie blood splatter, for the bigger pools and the, the bigger spray, mm -hmm. um, it's it uses a lot of blood for the blood guy but if you dip your index finger into it and then you flick it like really hard you'll get kind of that you know that like, would be an easier solution yeah. yeah but you could probably do that maybe a dozen times before you run out of blood for the blood god with, you know, that's, a, pots, that's a specific shade of red right it looks like it's starting to coagulate okay it's, it's very it's almost like a like a nail polish a less livid red but not a rusty brown yet either. right yeah where it pulls up it gets dark red mm -hmm. and Everywhere else, it still has that bright, like, it's still glossy. It's, it still looks wet, you know? So they kind of formulate it to work like that. Yeah, it's it's not really paint. It's it's like an effect Nice. Thing. Yeah, it's, it's it's really nice. I've, I've been using it for years. I found less is more with it, but I really enjoy it for, you know, gore effects and all that. Now, do you dilute it, or do you actually leave that kind of thick so it pools up like blood droplets? I, uh, I actually haven't really messed around with it. Uh, it'd be kind of interesting to use in, like, resin water. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how it would swirl. Maybe you'd have to take, like, a, a toothpick and kind of swirl it up, pour it in once the resin starts to cure a little bit, mm -hmm. you know. But before it gets too hard to stick a toothpick in there. Right. So yeah. it's a little bit viscous. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that'd be kind of interesting. Um, or maybe even red, like, India ink or something. Um, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Just like, you, you know, like blood in the water sort of thing. You could probably do that. I mean, I used to do Sumi brush work with, when I was doing some of my original art school things down in Charlotte, and we were using India ink on Sumi brush to mm -hmm. do interesting things like that. I wonder if maybe you could just sort of lightly dip it in red and then shake the Sumi brush at whatever and to get a splat. Yeah, that, that might even be a better way than the, the, the finger method. It, it's, it's the... The brush shape, basically. I mean, just you can really play around a wider brush, um, how stiff the bristles are, you know what I mean? I was just at the North Carolina State Fair, actually, and 
My wife was getting a cane from a woodworker, but one of the things this woodworker does, aside from meerschaum pipes and canes and walking sticks, he'll actually do badger hair shaving brushes mm-hmm. that kind of foof out at the end, and you've got kind of a wide footprint to Actual badgers? In. Yeah, actual <laughs> badger hair. It's cool. something that is very coveted in the shaving community where people are using still regular brushes like that. Yeah, yeah. I uh, just thought of this, actually. If you're going for, like, a more coagulated, older, dried blood, mm-hmm. um, we, we have a pigment that we sell. It's I think it's called dried blood, uh, a White Metal Games pigment. And you, you just put that in the corners, wherever it would gather or something. Um, I know Preston did his own Warcry set recently, and he had that, like, running through all the cracks. Like, it's just a battlefield that's been killed over for a thousand years. There's just a lot of blood everywhere, old blood. You know? Are there pictures of that up on the server I could probably look at? I think they photographed it earlier, but, but it should be on there. Yeah, but it, it's, it's Preston's, though, so okay. you can definitely grab some either one. <laughs> all right. And this would do for other stuff like radioactive waste, like somebody shot a barrel like you were running around in Doom or that the old Area 51 video game mm-hmm. where you're shooting the barrels and it goes everywhere and you want to avoid the splatters. Or for that matter, you could probably mix it with a little bit of glow-in-the-dark clear so you'd get that green but hit it with a black light or maybe just turn out the lights and it would still light up a little bit. I think there's a uh, uh, the warp lightning uh, effects paint from uh, Games Workshop might work pretty well for that. Well, like a lot of the ghostly night haunt stuff has kind of this greenish glow to it. So, so maybe you could apply that. A friend of mine was just doing a set of night haunts, as a matter of fact. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of cool effects paints for that. I, I haven't um, delved into it too much, but every time I see somebody with a night haunts army, they they're just dropping all kinds of crazy paints on me. And <laughs> but you were working on some other stuff as well. I mean, I saw you've been working on this cathedral project for a little bit now. Oh, yeah. And I saw one thing that really caught my imagination because my wife, she actually worked in her childhood on pipe organs a lot. I mean, her dad builds consoles. We actually had pipe organists play at our wedding. We had a Gallifreyan Mm. wedding. But I saw that you were actually working on an organ for this cathedral as well, and I was just impressed all out of hand by what you've done so far. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it was actually the inspiration for the whole set. It was the starting point, really. And it's a grimdark organ, a pipe organ. And it's currently about 8 inches tall, I think 10 inches wide. Um, just massive. Uh, I'm, I'm using some stuff from the Garden of Moore to get some steeple shapes out of it. Uh, we're using different shapes of straws right now. Um, I have a crane that's holding the surgeon from the imperial objective marker kit um and i've made a weird little creepy organ player that's stuck oh, to nice. the organ yeah he's uh he's not going anywhere even when the bullets start now i spraying. saw an upright kind of saloon piano as the centerpiece as the right. console where he's playing and you even had like individually cut and raised minor keys for the keyboard so where did you get the piano from with the raised keys and all of that uh it's actually a uh, foreground it's a it's a company out of the uk that does laser cut uh, uh mdf terrain mm-hmm. and it, it might be from a western set i'm, I'm not sure but uh what I mean, really looked, sold me on it was the keys the black keys the, that's, that's really cool it looked like a upright that you'd see in a saloon in mm-hmm. like somewhere in a western kind of thing right but i was looking at some of the piping work you've done 
and I was seeing all how you were using uh, drinking straws for all the pipes. Right. To give everybody a sense of scale here as to what this is going to look like, he's going to have like these little coffee straws, the skinnier ones for the travel pipes, regular drinking straws for the mid pipes, and maybe some bubble tea straws for the big bass pipes. <laughs> I have to drink a lot of uh, a bubble tea between now and Monday, right? <laughs> <laughs> I see no problem with that. <laughs> a lot of tapioca. <laughs> yeah. Was there anything else you were doing with it right now? Or did you want to leave that as a surprise for people to see? I, I have a lot of plastic uh, GW bits that I'm adorning all over it to really make it fit in with the rest of the cathedral. Kind of so greeble it up? Yeah, yeah. I have a uh, Land Raider engine piece that I'm going to work into the back of it because I think a grimdark pipe organ would be combustion powered somehow and we were looking at this thing at the basilica i believe somewhere either in germany or spain where they were playing vivaldi's winter on it and we saw these horizontal pipes coming out of it right yeah and we were talking like maybe we're going to do something like gun barrels or make it not only a musical instrument but something anybody in a battle in this cathedral would be rightfully afraid to get near Mm -hmm. yeah it's possible we could take the sponsons from the imperial bastion kit and work those into the side as well. Because I figure in a fanatical religious setting like this, they don't want the music <laughs> or the prayers to stop when the battle starts. So I'm actually going to lead us out with a piece of music from a pipe organ, one of the first ones I really remembered. Yeah, yeah. I heard this before I ever saw The Empire Strikes Back. It was in the old space battleship Yamato, and their second season had an enemy called the Comet Empire. Mm-hmm. And they had their own theme where the big bad who was their emperor would be back in the back playing on a pipe organ. <sighs> and it's pretty much the standard I hold for evil music. <laughs> okay, yeah. And I'll have to listen to it. Yeah, absolutely. I'll play it for you after we're done talking. Cool. Introduce yourself and say goodbye to the peoples. Uh, once again, I'm uh, uh, Brian Paul Reese, uh, TLS Terrain on Instagram. I'm the uh, Terrain Meister here at White Metal Games. And you can see his work in our galleries and in our blog posts. And thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later, and we'll get back to you in just a moment. kind of get into what's new coming out and sticking with our October theme. We're going to kind of get into some creepiness, starting with the upcoming Ossiarch Bone Reapers. These guys, they're followers of Nagash, who, when I was doing my Undead article about all the undead factions in Warhammer Fantasy, that Nagash was actually killed, destroyed by the Emperor of 10,000 years in the Tomb Kings. I thought that was basically the end of him after Nagash basically created vampires and the undead. Okay. Okay, assuming he was actually destroyed, when did he find time to do Asiarch Bone Ring? However, reading up on this Age of Sigmar stuff, Nagash is still tooling around, so apparently he was not as destroyed as he was supposed to have been. 
in his never-ending quest to find new ways to pervert and defile the dead and make them into undead to serve his whims, he's apparently gone kind of very Eastern on us and come up with these Bone Reaper types who look really kind of Asian, kind of Indian, kind of very, very Eastern countries kind of theme. Like, if you've ever looked at all of the National Geographic pictures of how they unearthed the Emperor's castle and found thousands of terracotta warriors all standing in formation ready to guard him even in death that's what these guys kind of remind me of yeah you pulled up a video just a few moments ago what i was not expecting was them to sound like the nemoidians <laughs> from episode one of star wars it's like you will pay nagashi's tithe if you do not Bow your heads, and your bones will serve us forevermore. Oh, wow. Okay, really? That's kind of almost yellow terrorist. You really kind of didn't <laughs> want to go that far, especially given the Nemoidians were so thoroughly lambasted by people for that. Yeah. But these people are kind of constructs yep. built entirely from bone, living bone, they say. So... It's kind of a little bit like the Necron later on wearing these artifact armors that are kind of shaped bone-like. That's living steel as well. And you've got all these different configurations that bones can be put into that I'm guessing Games Workshop has been doing for a while, have they? I believe so, yeah, with, with these guys. Yeah, the models themselves are really cool. They, uh, they actually, we were talking about it earlier, they reminded us of the... Uh, skeleton army from the Army of Darkness. Yes, yeah. like it just—they—they they look like that, and it's—it's it, it's really cool. It's very reminiscent. Hence the music in the background. That's Daddy Elfman, by the way. But and as well, we've kind of got some other codexes coming out this month. In this case, it's going to be a battle tome. In this case, it's going to be Oryx, some famous war clans. It's going to be the Iron Jaws and the Bone Splitters. This is something I have not written an article about yet, but all the old lore for these guys. It's finally being updated and brought forward so you can really have it for... So you can really have good reference on it and have backstories on all these people. All the factions, all the people. War clans like Bonegrins and Icebone and Drakfoot. <laughs> Battle plans that let you do them on your boards so that you've got ways to play them in the new games, maybe even make them into kill teams or bring them into stuff like Warcry. It's going to be something that fans of the orcs are really, really going to get into and finally sink their... I guess I should say fangs into. Sink their teeth into. Sink their tusks into, yeah. That's what that's what Gog says. <laughs> what about Rack? Rack, yeah. Nope, sink your teeth into it. Good to go. Yeah, that's what they does best is sink their teeth into stuff. Gorg and Rack. No, Rack and Gog. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I know. I was trying. There <clears throat> you go. No, no, that's fun. You're, you're going to get a lot of that from us, I think. Anyway, that's kind of what's new that's on topic for October for right now. As far as, yeah, those new battle tomes that are coming through. And that kind of leads us right into our product review. 
And as far as our product review goes, we've really just got the one product right now. This is going to be Azathoth. And again, this is probably going to be for the Peterson games, Cthulhu Wars type games. We actually have him with us right now, this little... I don't want to say it's a little miniature. It's nope. actually quite big. If I threw it hard enough, I could probably put it through a wall. And that's assuming I could pick it up and heft it that hard. But Ryan did not take this with him to Dragonfall this weekend. So we've got it here with us. Yeah, it's easily, what, six inches tall? Probably probably a little more. Since six inches tall, let's see, probably about four inches long. The fellow's festooned with spikes and tentacles, like you would expect from any Cthulhu mythos-type elder god. I like the plastic on it. I am noticing, though, these these uh, spines on his backside. They, they're they a bit bendy. They're, they're a bit bendy, and so you might would need to heat them up, get them in the spot where you need them. Because they otherwise spe- they're kind of folding over. But otherwise, I mean, the detail on it looks incredible. Are there specialized tools for straightening those out? With something like this, I think you'd probably just use probably like a heat gun, you know, warm the plastic up, and then you'd just have to, you know, I don't know if you'd make some kind of little jig to put up in there so it would like pr- maybe push them put out. Like maybe a to set of popsicle sticks up or maybe some yeah. sort of block. Yeah. Because there's a double row of spines on its back. Yeah. So you'd have to put something up in between and then heat it up so that they stick up straight. I'd have messed that up because the very first thing I look at and think of is my wife's hair straightener with the two heated plates on a kind of a grabber. Yeah, that definitely would. <laughs> that would probably melt the poor thing. Yeah, then you'd be out of model and she'd be she'd be upset with you for ruining her her hair straightener. Yeah, miniature that's easily what? How, how much would this sort of thing normally run, I would think? Comparing it to 40K type models for Warhammer type models, I'm looking at this thinking, okay, this is easily $60 or better. So we're going to actually look this up. <laughs> no, actually only 30 bucks. 30 bucks. Wow. Out of stock. Out of stock, so you wouldn't be able to get one right now until they've got more of these in, but we've got one here in front of us. Yeah, I might actually have a few dreams about this fellow. So yeah, 30 bucks, and as much plastic as you're getting in the detail on this, you just really can't beat that. I mean, this is easily... And I'm trying to think of something it's probably as heavy as. It's about the size and weight of a softball. Probably a little heavier than a softball. Do you know who's going to be painting this one? No, I sure don't know who's going to be painting that one. I don't know if Preston's going to get dibs on that or if maybe Ryan will get dibs on it since he's painting most of the other ones this weekend. Now, is there a thing where if they both see a mini they want to paint, do they have to, like, sort of compete for it? Or do they throw yes. hands? Or No, we have a we have a jousting pit in the back it's kind of tucked back behind one of the inventory shelves, and it's it's a duel to the death. You're not kidding. No. <laughs> well, okay. That's, that's why we go through painters so much. Oh, uh, all right. That would be why. Didn't you notice the stink back in the back right corner? I was, thought that was paint fumes, and oh gosh, I, I didn't notice the stench of death. No, uh, actually, I don't know. They just they're going to have to be grown grown folk about it and come to a compromise. And this fellow, he's from the original Cthulhu Mythos. Correct. Originally showed up in the story The Whisperer in Darkness. Correct. One of the more famous ones. But Azathoth definitely gets mentioned there as some of the nuclear horror that hides between the stars and gives us this sort of existential dread that really is preponderant in all of 
Lovecraft stories. But was there anything else you wanted to talk about with Azathoth here? Yeah, I just want to say I think Peterson Games did a really good job on this model. Um, they really there's there's a lot of contrast in different skin textures. You've got some scales in some area. You got a lot of muscle sinew in other areas. Almost looks like two crocodiles coming up on his shoulders. Uh, this yeah. big freaky eyeball. It's it's just a very cool model for thirty dollars. What you get uh, it comes on its own base already molded on. Just a very cool model for playing the game, or even if you don't play any any tabletop games, it'd just be a real cool model to set up on your shelf if you've got you know horror books or anything like that. And if you go to the Peterson Games website, I was noticing the picture of it that's on there. The picture that you see is not nearly as detailed as what I'm looking at here on our desk. Yeah, the picture definitely doesn't do detail. There's actually more detail on it than the 3D model you're looking at. Yep. There's veins on the great big eyeball in the front, lots more texture all over the tentacles and spines coming out of them. The picture on their website does not do it justice. You really, if you're into this, go ahead and see about getting you one. At least when they're back in stock. It's at petersongames.com. And that will just about do it for War Council this week. I want to wish you a happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. And, again, always my favorite holiday. I mean, who doesn't like Halloween, though? The people who are carrying out the war against Halloween. About how they keep pushing their holidays merchandise further and further back. I have no patience for it. Honestly, <laughs> I don't. Coming next week, we're going to be speaking with the Shrine of Chaos. That's right. This coming November, which is only less than a week away at the time of this recording, we're finally going to see the new Sisters of Battle army coming out, where you can pick that up and see all these new molds and things that we've gotten some advanced copies of and done paints of. Yeah, we actually did uh, the Canonist uh, that we got, that Preston got a copy of when we went to Nova. It was kind of a sneak preview model. We went ahead and painted that. You can find that in our flip gallery. Given that that's something to look forward to, my name's Edward Winterrose. I'm Shane Mr. Meticulous Jenkins. Shoot straight, roll crits. Roll crits.